0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Chris Sale. I mean, Michael Shore. <laughs> Michael, welcome.
1: I entered my name as Chris Sale uh, in our like chat room thing that we use for this uh, podcast because uh, I have, haven't—we'll get to this later—but I haven't had as much fun watching a pitcher pitch for my team since Pedro, probably. I think that's the last time it felt this fun every time the guy pitches. It's pretty amazing yeah he yeah is it's insane. insane he's like he's two insane. or three times in the last couple of years a a batter has swung and missed at a one of his sliders and then the slider hit him on the back foot <laughs> that's incredible but that notwithstanding thanks for having me
0: oh you are so welcome uh <laughs> quite an honor to have to have you uh, for sale. <laughs> on with us um very excited we're going to be talking baseball i haven't done this in a little while you've been you're kind of busy these days, aren't you? You're yes. fairly busy.
1: Yeah, this is the this is the most busy uh, sort of stretch of my year. We're we're in shooting the Good Place season two. We've shot eleven out of the thirteen episodes, and we're sort of writing, doing, dealing with the finale now, and it's a very stressful time. But it's never too stressful to waste <laughs> an hour talking about <laughs> meaningless stuff with you over the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that and nothing could make me nothing could make me happier. The only thing that saddens me about all of this about you being so busy and all this is is that uh being a huge, good place fan, as everybody knows uh i you know what's gonna happen already, you know like yeah. it's, it's it's like and I have no idea, and I'm gonna have to wait, and that stinks. you know already I would I was think
1: I would like, actually say it's better to be in your position because yeah, i i there's nothing more enjoyable to me. Uh, than watching a movie or a TV show that I like where I don't know what's gonna happen and then watching it unfold like the absorbing stories that way is the most fun aspect of engaging with entertainment I would say I mean I, it's obviously a lot of fun to make it too I, uh, I'm not saying it, I don't like my job <laughs> but I like I'm, a, I'm a, I was a huge fan of the leftovers and the leftovers had that feeling of like you just don't know what's gonna happen and I like the f- kind of joy that I got out of the last Season in the last few episodes, in particular, watching that show, it's just like you can't recreate that. That's it's a specific thing to, to like fandom of a show or movie where that that has sort of twists and surprises and sort of uncertainty baked into it. You know what I mean? It
0: is true. It is true. I actually uh, remember, and, and you you talk about movies and 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 TV shows, but also for books. I remember getting the last Harry Potter book and you know, just dying to know, or right, where does this thing go? Where does it lead? I mean, how, how is this going to happen? And of course, there was all of these rumors of all of these big surprises coming uh, in the book and so on and so forth. And you're right. I, I would have absolutely, I have no discipline. So if somebody had actually said, hey, I know what's going to happen, I would have asked them to tell me and it would have completely ruined it. You know, I mean, if the, yeah. the experience of actually seeing it, unfold the, the way it unfolded uh is so cool so yeah i i i do kid about about that but it is interesting that that you already have done what will you know the next half year of 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 my life and, and many other lives will will still be figuring it out but it's done you've you've already done it it's already. yeah
1: well it's not totally done but it's a it's no. about to have been done <laughs> future future course, passive participle. Is that what tense that is? I think I just I almost invented a new verb tense. It is about to have been done. Yeah. It's
0: about to have been done. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's uh, thank our sponsors. We have two. Uh we'll we'll just do the one uh up front. Of course, uh want to thank Blue Apron uh for sponsoring the podcast. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little blue apron fact at you there Michael just something sure. I've not told you before Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms fisheries and ranchers across the United States what do you think of that
1: oh I knew that already
0: <laughs> that was something that was just obvious to yeah. you from yeah, yeah, the yeah, start yeah. no I knew uh, that yeah yeah Oh well, sure um of course, we get Blue Apron here at the house. Michael promises to start any time now. Probably after you finish filming, I would imagine. After you finish making the good place, that's right when you dive into your Blue Apron time, right? That's
1: right. Yeah, I'm I'm saving it for when when I'm really done. When I can really concentrate on it. That's right. <laughs>
0: We get Blue Apron here at the house. It's wonderful. Every week a box of uh of fresh ingredients show up with the recipe cards. We make the recipes of family. Very cool. And you can do this for free. Thank you uh, to Blue Apron. Uh just all you have to do is go to blueapron.com uh forward slash podcast, P O S C A S T. I guess it's forward slash. Is it forward slash?
1: Yeah, I it's it's one of these things that like um People who are like uh, computer nerds will snicker and yell at you all the time because we. When the internet first showed up, we all said backslash, but it isn't a backslash. It's a regular slash. It's It's just a a forward forward slash. Yeah, but uh, but everybody still says backslash, and if you say backslash around like hardcore computer nerds, they'll be like, like they'll (laughs) kind of like they'll they'll. It's like a a classic blunder for uh, for computer people. That Computer you say people, people say black side, yeah. But, that, but no, I, you so know, I'm, I don't care.
0: <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. It's some sort of slash and then podcast, P O S C A S T, after the blue dot Uh, and you'll get your first three meals free. Great deal. Uh, so there you go. Blue apron, thank you again. Um, you know what I decided to do? Well, first of all, there's two things. There's two things, uh, that, that, I, that I did. One, do you have a Commissioner, you made the call this week. Do you have one?
1: I don't because the season of the regular sort of rec league that I was, of which I was the commissioner, ended you were a while the ago. Yes, okay. I was a commissioner. That season ended, and, and my son has been playing on a travel team that's been in these different tournaments. I am not the commissioner of that travel team. There is no such thing. I am the official scorekeeper, though. Uh, <laughs> I keep track of the game. There's an app called Game Changer. Uh, that allows you to score games like on your phone. It is so fun and great and wonderful. And I do miss a little bit the old fashioned uh, scorebook scorekeeping, but this sure. app is incredible. It's really, really uh, great. And I and it allows you obviously like it automatically kind of keeps track of stats and stuff. And I, this really fun thing happened where I was I did the scorekeeping for both. The rec league team, the sort of main, you know, Pony League team that he played on, and then also his travel team. And for the Pony League team, this is not a you make the call, but it's in the similar vein. So I'll just tell you the story. We, uh, the team got off to a really hot start. They were, they, they were like seven and two, and then they lost three games, or six and six and two, and then they lost, uh, three games in a row. And, Part of the part of the fun of of obviously like youth baseball is that everybody gets to play right, and you sort of you're swapping in, you're subbing in people, and there's these rules like no kid can sit out, you know, two innings before every kid right. has sat out at least one inning and stuff like that. All this sort of fair play stuff, which is the way it should be, but what happens is you know there are 13, twelve or thirteen kids on each team, and it's a little bit of a puzzle to try to figure out how to you know when when to sub people out and who to play when and where and how and why. So going into the going into the playoffs they have, there were only 5 teams in his division and going into the playoffs i decided i was going to try to moneyball the the playoffs and i so i sat down and i looked at all of the stats and stuff that had been gathered over the course of the 10 or 11 games that they played in the regular season And I came up with a sort of money ball strategy of how the team should be, should like, should, should lay out over the course of the four. Usually it's like a two hour uh, maximum playing time. And in, you know, a nine year old baseball, that means you're playing like four, usually four or five innings because the innings are long and they're five run cap per team per inning, et cetera, et cetera. But I moneyballed it, and I said, like, okay, so here's the way I would su- you know play these guys at these positions, and I would sub out you know these people then, and I would start this. These are the way the pitcher should go, and all that sort of stuff. And so going in, so we had lost three games in a row, and then going into the playoffs, a team that we had lost to ten to seven in the final game of the season, we played in the first game of the playoffs, and we won twenty to three, <laughs> and then in and then we played in the championship game for the nine U division. And I did the same thing. And the t- and going into the last inning, it was nine to nine. Our team got off to a huge lead. It was like nine to one after two innings. Then the sure. other team like chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. It was nine to nine going into the last inning. And we uh, had a huge two out rally. Um, there were first two guys, first two kids got out. Then the guy reached on a sort of infield hit slash maybe an error And then was stealing second, when my son came up and lined a single in the center and knocked in what, what ended up being the winning run, it was a huge thrill. It was wonderful. And I also felt like 99% of it wasn't the kids or the head coach. It was really me. That's what I, (laughs) it was me. It was me and my stat based analysis of like organizing the way that the, that the, uh, the, the team should be playing.
0: Well, I've been saying this forever. Moneyball does work in the playoffs. I think this is proof.
1: <laughs> Moneyball does work in the parentheses, rec league, nine and under, pony league, like mid-Los Angeles, uh, yeah, youth baseball playoff. And parentheses, playoffs. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right, well... This is it's not quite a you make the call, um, but uh, but it's still good. It's still very good. Yeah. And uh, and and I have one. So but I'm going to save it for I I have one, but I'm going to save it for next time. I I don't want to over I don't want to give our our listeners too much. You make the call. Are you crazy? What
1: are you talking about? Save it. There's no Save it for next time. This is is a long, rambling, pointless podcast. We do everything here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Here's how it went. So a friend of mine emailed me this question, and it's a good one. It's a fun question. Okay. So, again, his son is probably maybe a year or two older than your son, maybe 10, maybe, okay. um, I think. So he's right around the same age. He might even be the same age. And he sent me this thing. His son, I don't know if his son was the one playing shortstop, but somebody on his team was playing shortstop. Runners on first and second, nobody out, okay? So runners on first and second, nobody out. Ground ball to the shortstop, okay? Okay. He uh of course wants to go to the, get the lead runner, but the guy on second, the kid on second base, didn't run. He okay. just stood there. He just stood at second base. So but but the shortstop distilled did the the fundamental play, threw the ball to the third baseman to get the force. For, uh, the third baseman threw it to first to uh, get the double play all right so so that's that's how it went and that's how it was scored so the question then was obviously you don't expect the runner not to run but the question was could the shortstop have gone over tagged the guy on second stepped on the bag on second and thrown to first for a triple play you make the call
1: the second the uh, the kid was actually standing on the second base bag he was
0: second standing on the second base, but never moved.
1: I don't think he could have right because he has the right to that base as long as he's the lead runner. So he could if he's just standing on the base, the kid running from first to second would have been out. And the, if the throw had beaten the batter, he would have been out. But I think that guy gets has the right to second base.
0: You are correct. All Look right. at you. You are. That's because <laughs> you are a commissioner. You're correct. That's right. The yeah. runner, the runner on second, is safe as long as he's on the bag, as long as there's not two people on the bag. Now, right. if the guy, if the guy from second uh, had run, I mean, the guy who had, was on first had run over to second, and they're both on the bag, the lead runner is then out. Right. But but because he was standing on the bag, you could not tag him while he was on the bag. Look at you. you <laughs> this is because. Of your multiple years of experience as a commissioner. This is because of my
1: now nearly 35 years (laughs) serving as a rules-based commissioner (laughs) at all levels of baseball, from youth all the way to the majors.
0: (laughs) I'm thinking you are the Joe West of uh, commissioners.
1: Well, you know what's fun is that... uh, my so uh, my son, you know, is obsessed with baseball and he, he sort of had grown out of the first wave of baseball books that we got him. And so we we just did another kind of round of like a slightly more sophisticated stuff. Like, you know, there's a book about the history of the Dodgers Giants rivalry. And sure. since he is you know, betrayed me and become a Dodger fan, uh, it's, he's pouring over that. But one of the ones we got was a sort of big, big, juicy book about like sort of the history of. Um, of uh, the, like equipment and rules, like you know, here's what a catcher's mask looked like in you know the turn of the century, and and here's how you know here's what here's here were the rules in 1876. You know, it was nine pitches or seven pitches, seven balls for a walk and six strikes for a strikeout, and you know, there's pictures of like a Scheib. Park where the the crowd was sitting on the field, having a picnic right. in the outfield and stuff, and uh, and it's and he's getting really into the rules of the game. Unsurprisingly, given his dad, and right. there's it's so fun to talk about because he's like worked out now the infield fly he pretty well he's worked it out, and so it, he was in a game. Uh the other day and the and a, a, there was a, bases were loaded, and no one was out, and there was a pop up to the pitcher and he yelled infield fly <laughs> to nice. just in case the uh, just in case the ump didn't know that <laughs> it was an infield fly, He yelled infield fly and it was uh you know the correct call, so it was pretty great.
0: that's awesome. now, how high does a fly ball have to be in nine year old uh you know mid Los angeles youth baseball to to qualify for an infield fly? I mean could it just be like a little bloop?
1: Better, right? uh, it has to sort of, be, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there's a rule, but it it has to know, be. It's, it's, it's anything anything except a line drive is going to be called an infield fly. Basically, <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, yeah that's the way yeah. it should
0: be. All right, we are going to uh, I, because this is the second thing that I've done. Uh, I I put out on Twitter that we were about to do this and asked if anybody had questions. You know, give our readers a chance to be a part of this podcast. That's that's all. That's really all we're trying to do, right?
1: No, uh, not. that's not at all what we're trying not to do. But but I'm fine doing it. I mean, I have no problem actually doing it. But that's I not what we're trying no, to do.
0: <laughs> I see no problem at all. So uh, so I've done it. So we have a few questions. So we'll, we're, we're, we're we're talking baseball, and uh, we're going to start off with with Alan Sepp Alan Seppenwalg. Blech! Just <laughs> Alan. God. All right, Alan Seppenwalg is our resident uh, Yankee fan. Uh, who's been on the show to 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 talk about the Yankees? He has two questions, so we're gonna we're gonna build off of that. But first, uh, since this is kind of the Yankee minute, I'm gonna play our scary Yankee music oh, okay. here. Here we go. All right, that is scary. So that scary. Is... So scary. So scary. <laughs> all right, so Alan, Alan has two questions. Obviously, they're both uh, specific to the Yankees. Uh, one is, what kind of hex did you two cast on the Yankees? That's his first question, uh, which obviously we're not going to handle at all. No. Nope. Uh, and the second question that we will handle, I think, can you discuss the Aaron Judge-Jose Altuve photo that is making the rounds, uh, which you have seen, I assume. Yes. Oh, oh yeah, I've seen it. It's okay. So, if if, for those of you who have not seen it, I don't know who that would be. Uh, they're just the the Aaron Judge is standing next to Jose Altuve, and Aaron Judge is 200 feet tall, and Jose Altuve is two inches tall. And it's the most amazing contrast of you see two players, awesome players, starting sitting next, standing next to each other, the huge, huge size differential. It really is, you know, even though, you know, one of them is a Yankee and all that. Uh, that's an awesome photo, right? I mean, it's really pretty cool.
1: Here's There are three things about it that are awesome to me. Okay. thing that's awesome, number one, is every year, if you watch the Little League World Series, at some point, there is that exact photo. Because yes. in the Little League World Series, <laughs> the age cutoff is 12, and there is, at 12 or 13, obviously, some young boys ha- are on their way to becoming men. And have gone through certain changes that allow that have have led to huge growth spurts, and some boys have not. And so what you get at some point in the Little League World Series is a photo of a base runner leading off first base or standing on first base who is four foot three, and the first baseman is five eleven and a half. And it's always it's always wonderful. It's one of the best. It's one of my favorite things about the Little League World Series is you get that every year. And seeing 6'7", Aaron Judge, stand next to 5'6", Jose Altuve, 5'6", being very five generous, 5'4", five, 5'2", five, 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 Well, but
0: I'm saying even he says 5'5". Five, five. Five, five, right. Even he concedes 5'5". It five.
1: was like, oh, my God, that's that's that photo. That's reason number one it's great. Reason number two it's great is because there had been a photo taken of me and my son at his the baseball tournament he played in that was not dissimilar <laughs> from the way that photo looked. <laughs> Uh, I was in a, my I, – I I had like all the sort of dads and coaches have like honorary jerseys of the team. So I was in that jersey and he was in his jersey. So it kind of looked like we were cut off at the weight. I was cut off at the weight. So it sort of looked like I was on the team and he was on the team. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what that looks like is me and my 9-year-old. So Aaron Judge is the dad and Jose Altuve is the 9-year-old. But the most – the number one reason it was awesome is because if you go to – any stat page you will see, for example, on ESPN, Aaron Judge is number one in the AL and wins above replacement at 4.8, and Altuve is fourth at 3.8. So you're talking about two of the three or four best players in the league, and uh, and the idea that the the baseball can can accommodate and be and that the players who are both six seven and five five can both be the best, essentially the best player in his league that is the best. I love that so much that it's like th- th- this is a game where it, where you can be amazing at either height. It's w- such a wonderful thing about that photo.
0: It's it's so great cuz I really was thinking if you look at that photo and you see, you know, Aaron Judge just towering over Jose Altuve and they're both kind of happy and, you know, and they're both in their element and 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 you know, both are confident players and all that sort of thing. You look at those two and you think to yourself, if I'm a GM, which player would I rather have? Like which player would I would I great actually, question. You know? It's a great question. That's yes. the thing. And you and you probably would take Altuve, right? Because of the history. Uh I mean Judge is a little bit younger, but he's not that much younger. He's only a couple years younger. Um you know, Judge is maybe a more of an impact hitter, but Altuve plays the field. Not that Judge is a bad fielder, but Altuve is an infielder. Uh, it would be really close. I would, I'd happily. You know, that's one of those the, that I say all the time. You take whoever you want. I'll take the other guy. That's fine. But you might take the the small guy. You might take Altuve, and that's awesome. That's yeah. just that's just so great. You would never like if you had in other sports if you had two great players. And one was huge and the other was small. I mean, football's different because the huge guy would be probably a lineman and the smaller guy would be a quarterback. So it's different. They're playing different positions. But generally, you're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to – look, I love Chris Paul, but I'm going to take LeBron, you know. I mean, you're going to take yeah. the bigger guy. But baseball, it doesn't matter at all. It's not relevant in the slightest. They're both great players despite their size. I mean, it's – I love yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think
1: it. I think you take Altuve, but boy, it's close. It's so close, <laughs> I, right? I think you take him because the position he plays is probably slightly more valuable. Although Judge is a great fielder, and because he now has a track record of having done this for four years that's, or whatever, that's right. That's and Judge right. is like Judge. It looks like a, looks like you know he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but it's also half of one year, and you don't know the legal adjust and you know whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's that's what's crazy is what you're saying is basically instead of taking the guy who right now, if the season ended, wins the triple crown in the American <laughs> League, you, you're probably taking the 5-5 guy.
0: <laughs> I know. It's awesome. It's, it's so crazy. awesome. And it would be. It, that would be such a fun— thing i mean if you really had to make that choice because you'd be betting on judge if you took judge you'd be betting on judge he is a little bit younger he's a couple years younger and you'd be betting that this is real that he's going to do this forever that's Which right. you might you know but if you're betting on altuve you're betting on uh, a much longer track record and just the all-around play of the guy i mean it's that's what's based That's it's so great i could not love that picture more all right uh, we're we're really not gonna talk about the Yankee slump because that is the guarantee that they're gonna win twenty seven in a row. So we're not that's right, even right. We're not even gonna talk about it. Just the uh, fact that you
1: brought up the fact that we're not gonna talk about it means we already talked about it and now no, they're gonna
0: win. No, no, I'm no. No. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes, that's the way this works.
0: <laughs> All right, fine. Just fine. They're gonna win twenty seven in a row. What do you I'm sorry. They're they're the Yankees. I don't I don't want to talk about them anymore. All right. Evan has this question, is it wrong to be kind of glad that the Jays are terrible again because I'm used to them this way?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, so wait, he's he's a Jays fan this guy?
0: I don't know. He, that this is I've given uh, the, the great thing is I will only give this the information at, that that okay. I'm getting right here. So Okay, wait, so uh, read
1: it read it again for me. Yeah. Read it again.
0: Is it wrong to be kind of glad the Jays are terrible again because I'm used to them this way?
1: Okay, so I'm going to say he's not. A, I I misread it. I don't think he is a Jays fan. I think yeah, he's saying like, not a Jays I'm just, like he's probably like a, I don't know what he what he is, but he's just like uh, I'm in his memory. He's this is a nostalgia play for him. He's saying I'm used to the Jays being right. terrible. I didn't like those bad period where they were good. I'm happy they're terrible again just because it it fits my conception of what the Jays should be. That's sure. what he's saying, right?
0: I think that's what he's saying. That's how I would read it. It could be that he's a Jays fan, and maybe that's why he's asking if it's terrible. Because if he's not a Jays fan, well, who cares, right? It doesn't right. matter. Maybe maybe he is a Jays fan. And he's kind of like I kind of like it back in the old days when they. I like being
1: miserable. Yeah, <laughs> I like
0: being miserable, and no, there were no other fans, and I get to like have them to myself and all that.
1: Well, um, I don't know. I don't like that they're that they're terrible. I think it's kind of bums me out. I l- I like. Toronto is a cool city. It's a, it's cool, a cool team. City. They've given. They've had some really fun playoff uh, 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 moments in the sure last few on, years. My God. Yeah, like I, I don't. I'm not personally taking any pleasure in the Blue Jays being terrible. I will say that there is a. Um, th- th- they have personalities on that team who rub people the wrong way, right? right. So the, right. I, I can understand. Um, I can certainly understand, like being like, "Ha ha ha!" You got what's coming to you, kind of thing, because they're not—they're not the most lovable bunch of guys, <laughs> like really. Um, but I'm shocked that their hitting has collapsed the yes, way it has. They, I mean, they—that team is terrible. They can't hit. None no, of them. I mean, no. they, you know, the Red Sox are have been in a, a, a have been in a home run drought. They're last in the AL in home runs and like 27th in the majors or something. Which is crazy, but they're still you know they have like the sixth best team batting average and they their OPS is like top ten in the mate like oh, yeah. they're still they're still do it's like a it's a little bit of a fluke, right this doesn't feel like a fluke to me no. with the with the Blue Jays they just can't hit Justin smoke is their best hitter and it's not close <laughs> I mean there's no like they everyone else on that team is is having a terrible year and i don't I don't totally know how to explain it do you do you have like a theory on this
0: yeah they're a little bit they've gotten old i mean i i do think that by the way i don't know why just saying justin smoke makes me laugh but it does there's there's (laughs) something about that name that makes me laugh um they've gotten old i mean that's really the heart of it the thing about baseball is in in my view and really all sports i i'll say this for all sports players just get older good old way faster than you think they will you know yeah. you think oh yeah he's 32 he's got three or four more years 32 he could be done already you know what I mean I mean 30 yeah. you could be done and so you look at that team and yeah look is anybody surprised that Jose Batista's not really hitting I mean he's 36 years old and and Tolowitzki's 32 and even Donaldson's 31 I mean these you you can't win with guys in their thirties. I mean, every now and again, you'll, you'll have a a team of of guys that are in their young thirties and they'll surprise everybody and, and, and play, you know, well, but generally speaking uh, that's just the wrong, it's the wrong way to go. And, and so I think that's what happened to them. I don't get any pleasure. I actually kind of like them. I, I get a huge kick out of Jose Batista. I really do. I, I think he's, I think he's, funny he's a hothead he's 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 awesome he's he you know I I get a huge kick out of him so I get no pleasure out of them uh falling apart but I'm all for nostalgia so if nostalgia makes you happy that you know if you were happier when the Blue Jays were bad and that takes you back to that point of life I there's nothing wrong with that it's, if that's what you want that's fine
1: yeah right, I, I I think you're right I I just I it bums me out that 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 group that core group all got old at the same time. That's a, that's what bums. Oh no, me I out. agree
0: with that. I, yeah. It always bums me out. It always bums me out when a team like suddenly you know even I didn't I never had any special affinity for that Phillies team that won in 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 nine in two
1: thousand the uh, Chase Utley Ryan Howard uh, right two thousand yeah.
0: they won in two thousand eight made it back in two thousand nine right and lost the Yankees and and then they put together that incredible pitching staff in two thousand eleven that just never quite came together and they lost in the playoffs and then they fell apart i'd never had any great affinity for that team but it still bummed me out when they got old i mean because it's like you know it's just watching time go by suddenly ryan howard's terrible and chase hotley's no good and jimmy rollins is no good and yeah it's I, i don't like
1: that of all of the terrible contracts that have ever been written up conceived of written up and signed that five year, $125 oh, yeah. million dollar extension for Howard before his deal was even up, well, that's going, that, going to go down in history as, as maybe possibly like top five worst all time, right?
0: Oh, I think it might be the worst because don't forget, I mean, your point is right. It wasn't before his deal got up, it was a year and a half yeah. before his deal came up. And he was already no good. Yeah, I mean, he was good, but he was not. You know, he was all home runs and RBIs by the time that they signed that deal. And anybody who you know is in the game knows that those are not. You don't look at those numbers, and he he already was, and he was hurt. You know, he got hurt before the contract uh, kicked in because they gave it to him so much earlier. Yeah, it was a terrible, terrible contract. I you know mean, what's
1: crazy I'm, though? We should we should at some point in our in this podcast we should draft. Uh, contracts we should draft athlete (laughs) contracts Um, because good
0: contracts or bad ones
1: it does i don't know it's up to you but (laughs) but i i sometimes think about that the mike hampton deal from from whatever it was now 15 20 years ago how bad a deal that was and still would have been like that even with inflation if you did that deal now that deal would have been bad it was a hundred million for the rockies right for what was it like eight years yeah or six years with like a two-year option or something and yeah and it it was like that is still still would have been a terrible deal 15 20 years later
0: yeah. Oh yeah. That was that's what that's an all-time deal too. Yeah. Oh I mean there's there are a lot of goods. We'll we'll do that draft. All right, let All me right. go on to some questions here. Jeremy asked this question. I think it's a good one. Uh what's next for Kyle Schwarber? All right, that's the question. Great and question. and there, there are two things I want to point out. One, and I mean I don't I there's not even enough money on earth for me to have bet against this. There's one Chicago Cubs player in the All-Star game, and it's Wade Davis.
1: It's so what? crazy. It's the Isn't crazy, and same? no starters, not a single starter. Not a they single sent their harder, entire not
0: player, not a yeah, single everyday player on that
1: team. They, they no. sent their entire infield and one outfielder last year, and two starting pitchers, and, and so they had seven, like leg, basically like seven guys who were, could have started the right. All-Star game, and the, and this year there's one, and it's a it's a reliever who wasn't on the team last year, wasn't even
0: on the team last year. So that's crazy. Kyle Schwarber fascinates me for a couple of reasons, but the, the two main reasons that he fascinates me are one, they they threw him into the leadoff spot right away before the year you know began. And I think all of us, including, you know, I think both of us, thought, yeah, that'll work, right? I mean, the the way Schwarber hit in the postseason, his his background, his sense of him, I mean we didn't know nobody knew how he's gonna play in the field and and all the other stuff, but as far as leadoff, like like we all thought, yeah, that's gonna work. And it was a, a disastrous decision. Just just, just a bomb of, of, of epic proportions. Um, and the second thing is that I think all of us kind of assumed Kyle Schwarber was a star when he had not really done any star-like things other than his sort of epic uh, few games in the postseason. And... I don't know why we jumped the gun on both of those things. I don't know why the Cubs felt like he was going to be absolutely ready uh, to handle the leadoff spot. And I don't know why all of us sort of put him in. I mean, you would hear people talking about Cubs stars and they would be like, yeah, Rizzo, Brian, Schwarber. Well, Schwarber didn't do anything to get into that spot yet. And so what i what I've seen this year is that it's like a, it's a healthy reminder that, yeah, the Cubs were fantastic last year and, and everything went right, and it, it turned out great. But that doesn't like change the laws of physics, right? I mean, it's like he's Carlos Schwarber still has to actually prove that he's a good major league baseball player before we can start calling him a good major league baseball player.
1: Yeah, but 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 the guy has been a world class hitter probably since he was three right. at every oh, level. Right. And then he got to the majors and he hit a bunch of home runs and then he got a terrible injury and he came back after the terrible injury in the most high pressure situation you can possibly do that and just raked for like first right. like a week. So it's not like I don't think he was jumping the gun to declare the guy a star. He sure looked like a star. I mean, he'd only played in 100 games or something, but he looked like a star. And this kind of thing that ha- happened to him, it happens to people. It happens to a lot of people who are great hitters and have great careers. By the way, since he's been at Iowa, he's raking. He's he he's hit two home killed- he hit two home runs in a game last night. He hit two home runs in a game the night before. They the one of the home runs that he hit last night cleared the like scoreboard in right center field and like went out of the. I mean, and people like lost their. There's a funny video of it. You can watch uh, online. I, what's next for Kyle Schwarber? Is he's going to come back to the majors and rake? That's what's happened. He's going to. Like, I. I don't think. I, I. really don't think this is not a. Uh, this is not like a, uh, a guy forgot how to play kind of a deal. It's also not a we over. This is not a. Um, uh, uh, you know, everybody jumped the gun. Jeff Francoeur type situation. This guy has always been a patient, and excellent hitter. He hits the ball the other way. He hits the ball out the other way. He's a he's a stud and he's going to be he's going to be fine. I just like you want to get through this as fast as you can, because the longer it goes on, the longer it's like a topic of discussion. And now that Chicago after last year is the center of the baseball universe, there's more pressure on him right now. There's more attention being paid to him than there should be. You know,
0: and that's what I mean by jump the gun. I don't mean jump the gun that he's a good hitter. He's a he's a. He's a good hitter, and he's going to hit big time in the big leagues. I, I have very little doubt about that. But I do think we jumped the gun in putting him in the leadoff spot, putting all this pressure on him, assuming sure. that he was going to be one of the studs of the game – he hadn't done that yet he had not he had not really done that for any extended period of time in the big leagues even when he came up in the you know when he first came up he did hit a bunch of home runs but he still showed a big hole in his swing and and look he can't he's not they don't really have a defensive position for him i mean there are issues with him that i think needed to be sort of sorted out and maybe it's impossible maybe because the cubs won the world series last year and he had a good world series uh, and he's, you know, and the hype has been around him forever. Maybe we had to jump the gun. I, I just saying that it did him a great disservice to put him in the leadoff spot, assume everything was going to work out great, um, because I don't, I don't know that he was there mentally. I just don't know that he was there. I think he'll be back really soon, and I think he will hit. I think this is going to be great for him, but it, it pro- in my view, it should have been handled a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree.
0: All right, here is a question, 1 to 10, from Nick Vega. He's asking us 1 to 10, how overrated are 4th of July fireworks? <laughs> I, I I don't know if 1 is, is like, what is it? So, like, on a 1 to 10, how overrated? Would 10 be the most overrated and 1 would be the least overrated? Yeah, I would that- say
1: 10, 10 is like, the 10 is overrated the way that, like, red convertibles are overrated, which is, like, the most <laughs> right, overrated you can right. be. And 1 is overrated the way that uh, you know, Jose Altuve is overrated, which is to say not at all.
0: Not at all. Yeah, I'd say yeah. ten. Ten. The
1: the fireworks are I hate fireworks. You say straight ten.
0: Ten. Well look, and again, now let's 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 differentiate. Love fireworks in a professional setting. Like if you go to a ball game after the, the game is over and fireworks or you go to a park and they have like a firework display. Love those. Those are great. Like you can go with your kids, those are awesome. Backyard fireworks, where people just shooting off fireworks and hurting themselves and bothering my dog and doing all that, so I hate them, hate them, can't stand them. Overrated. Oh well, that goes
1: without saying. I mean, yeah. backyard fireworks are the dumbest. It's the <laughs> what? It's like uh, I don't know what has to happen for us as a people. It, you know, I've I've often felt I've made a statement every year for the past ten years, and I believe it to be true. And that statement is this: We will never truly advance as a society until the concept of black friday is no longer a thing I, and i really believe that's true i think that the when you think about what black friday is it's a everyone is home you're with your friends and your family for thanksgiving you're celebrating a a, a timeless ritual you know that dates back to the, the founding of this great nation sure. and then then people go to giant stores and basically try to murder each other to get a $30 discount on a flat screen TV at like 5pm on Thursday. And I really believe that we won't that like things won't truly get better. We won't feel like we're evolving and progressing until Black Friday until we come together as one and decide we should not do Black Friday anymore. That should go away so the same could be said i think of backyard fireworks right like until until we'd say as a people hey we're no longer going to buy illegal fireworks or sometimes legal depending on what state you're in light them off in our backyards make our neighbors angry make every dog in a half mile radius go crazy usually get really badly injured blow off a finger get badly burned have kids be put in harm's way all for the sake of what exactly I can't quite tell a loud noise in that's near you. Until we decide that we're no longer going to do that, I don't think we're ever going to truly get better. Like the, like the idea of alien life in the universe coming and finding us somewhere. Like if they looked around in the first two things that they witnessed... <laughs> Where backyard fireworks and Black Friday, they would just turn around and go home. In fact, maybe that's what's happened. Maybe they've already come, and they were like, "Let's go see what these what these life forms are up to." And they watched the they watched a bunch of people set off backyard fireworks and go to the emergency room, and then they watched a Black Friday sale at a Target and the way that we behaved. And they were like, yeah, there's nothing here for us. We're, we're leaving. And they turned around and went home. They, they went on their 7 million light year journey back to their home planet and reported back that we were not worth the trouble. That, I believe, is what has happened.
0: I think that happened. I think they were staying at a hotel and they went and they said, I'd like to stay on the 13th floor. And they said, we don't have one.
1: We don't have <laughs> they said, why? And they said, because it's, a bad, it's bad luck. And they said, but your 14th floor, is your 13th floor? And they said, yes. And they were like, all right, we're out of here. Well, but been, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say I I don't know if I would go 10 because I think there's some value in watching fireworks displays that are professionally professional. done. No, yeah. That's right. So but they are overrated. I'll I'll say 8. I'll say 8.3. That's my okay. that's my okay, range. that's
0: good. I I'm, I'm actually as if we're splitting it like that, I would do that. I I I agree. I think you're right. Yeah, 8.1 range I think is <laughs> is good.
1: These rankings right. are the, the, the amount they're overrated is accurate to a tenth of a, <laughs> a tenth of a point.
0: <laughs> All right, we have several more questions but I'm going to uh, uh, stop real quick and and uh, thank our second sponsor of the podcast which is um, Volvo. Uh, Volvo sponsors the podcast, and and for Volvo, I, we don't we don't we don't freelance, we don't mess around. I'm just going to read the the ad they gave to me, and again, I'm going to ask you if you would to judge how I do on this on this read on okay, a scale go.
1: of uh, one to ten, and uh, it'll be accurate within, to within a, to a tenth, of a, tenth point. of a point. If you yeah. could,
0: yes. Here we go. After a long dark winter, every Swede looks forward to Midsommar, and now Volvo is giving America a reason to look forward to it too. Join us for our Midsummer sales event and get up to $4,500 off on all select Volvo vehicles. Enjoy standard features like keyless entry, rear park assist camera, navigation system, and more. But hurry, summer doesn't last forever. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. Visit your local Volvo dealer for detail. Offer excludes all V90, XC90 momentum, and XC90 excellence. Standard features vary by model. See your dealer for details.
1: That was incredibly professional. <laughs> I give Thank you a 9.46, 9. okay. and it's not uh, accurate to a hundredth of a, of a point.
0: Well, I appreciate that, but I want to just tell you right now, you, you should mark me down, because I realized during this, I said in there that that $4,500 off is on all uh, Volvo vehicles. Uh, I think I said all select, which the, the word all is not on here. It's not all, because uh, I had to do those. At the
1: bottom. So
0: big blunder, big blunder in the middle of that.
1: You know what would be Uh, funny is if if like tens of thousands of people went to Volvo dealerships and (laughs) attempted to get that $4,500 off and and they said, we understand it's because it's on all vehicles and they said, no, it's on select vehicles and then they said, this is BS, man. And they sued (laughs) Volvo for false advertising and won like a class action lawsuit and Volvo lost like hundreds of millions of dollars because of your podcast ad reading blunder.
0: It could it could be although I I believe I caught it because I did then tell you the exclusions so if somebody said well I just want the XC ninety momentum uh, they'd say no 40, no
1: give me my sweet forty five hundred dollar discount <laughs> they'd yeah. say no no
0: even on the ad you talked about it did say offer excludes sorry I'm sorry that that trumps the earlier mistake. <laughs>
1: All right. All right, let's go. All right, back so you got me, you marked off. I I did give you I gave you a 9.46. I'm going to go down to a 9.35. I agree.
0: I agree. I, I think I deserve a 10th of a point off for that. All right, here we go. Uh what? Oh, here we go. This is a good one for you. How is Drew Pomeranz, the Red Sox second best starter?
1: Oh. <sighs> uh well question, Archie. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of reasons. Um one is the other starters have been worse than Drew Pomerantz. That's probably <laughs> the
0: that's, that's first. Reason. Let's get that out pra- of the way.
1: <laughs> that's probably the main thing. Um, you know, here's the thing about Drew Pomerantz. Drew Pomerantz was a good pitcher uh, for really? the for the Padres. Yeah, he was a good pitcher. And granted, he was pitching in Petco, and you know, it's easy to pitch in Petco. But he was good, and and he doesn't. You know, he's not like he doesn't look menacing, and he doesn't throw particularly hard, and he kind of has a. He's like a dork. Drew Pomeranz is kind of a dorky pitcher, and so I think he's a little bit underrated. But he's he had good numbers, and you know this year he's been a little bit unlucky. But he's pitched pretty well. He has ninety-two strikeouts and twenty-seven walks, which isn't bad. It's a little bit too many walks, but it's but ninety-two strikeouts and eighty-four innings. That's a good ratio, and his WHIP is a little high. It's one point three two. But like he's a pretty good. Third starter, the, he is not the problem. The problem, obviously, is that Price and Porcello have been right. straight up bad. Um, Price has Price is, ha, has also been a little bit unlucky, but he has not been David Price. He wasn't David Price last year either. Really, Porcello has just been bad. Porcello has he's Porcello has his control numbers are fine. Porcello has given up seventeen home runs in a hundred innings. That's not good, and his like his his like regression his massive regression is the probably the single biggest problem with the team i would say because what's the crazy thing is the red sox are the red sox have been a mess they don't have a single player started with a 900 ops which after last year the way that offense worked you would think like oh they're you know they're here we go this team is going to keep who they lost our who cares they're going to keep clicking but they they've lost. They don't have that. I guess now Mookie is probably after last night. No, maybe he isn't. He's close to nine hundred. But their offense is like coming around. It's and but it's been a mess. And their pitching has been kind of a mess. And they're in first place by three games in the East. And they have the second best record in the American League. So like the you know the 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 woes of the pitching staff and the hitter hitters are are being like uh, are compensated for. And what you would hope if you're a Red Sox fan. Is that all of the garbage play was is out of their system, and that now they're they're clicking a little bit more offensively? You would hope that Price and Porcello have better second halves than they have first halves. Um, but if but I I'll tell you, Drew Pomeranz is not the the problem. <laughs> no,
0: no, not at all. Not at all. I would I would disagree with you a little bit on Porcello. I think Porcello's been kind of unlucky. I think he's been hit unlucky. I mean, his strikeout to walk is really good, and, and yeah, it you know, is. His fit, his FIP is under four. I mean, it's not. He, look, he's definitely regressed, but he's he's not pitching that much worse. I think he's been he's been unlucky. I think David Price is a mess. He's yeah. just a mess. I mean, mentally, physically, emotionally, he's. I don't know what the. I mean, I love the guy. I do. I I've always loved David Price. I I just think he's. I think he's been terrific. I think he's you know he's super. He's brilliant. You know, he's super duper smart and 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 just a guy that that to me was you know was one of the great stars of the game and and you know whether it's injuries his 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 trouble you know clearly he's not pitching well uh the way he's handled the media has been horrendous and 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 clearly uh you know he's got he's he's got rabbit ears at this point i mean he's definitely listening to what's happening i i think that's a real problem. I mean, I the, the Red Sox are going to be fine. I, I think the, the big part of the thing has been that they have just uh, went through a very long stretch of time where they couldn't score runs. I mean, that's weird yeah. and, and inexplicable, really. But it was just a stretch of time, and now they're coming out of that. That bullpen is really good, and Kimbrel's yeah. amazing, and Sale. But I mean, we we should talk a little more about Sale, because he is... He's the guy. I you know it's funny because with strikeouts up all around baseball, you know anybody you go you go out there you can see throw you know strikeout ten in a game. I mean that's that's just not that big a deal anymore. I mean it's still great, but it's it's you know it's so common that it's not that big a deal anymore. And somehow even with that in mind, and even with guys like Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw and awesome, I don't think there's anybody more like overwhelming at the moment than chris sale is just as no i
1: yeah there's 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 a couple guys every year where you wonder how anyone
0: right right to hit like
1: literally how how does anyone hit him ever and like (laughs) like this yeah this year it's sale and scherzer i think are the two guys that for me where you watch them you're like oh no one can how does anyone get a hit off that guy um, and and you know, in past years, you've had Strasburg, you've had Pedro, you've had whoever, but this year it, it's Chris Sale. He's the guy when you when you look at his stuff. And by the way, I have to pause for one second. Uh, we take as a nation we take Clayton Kershaw for granted, and we should stop taking him <laughs> for granted.
0: That's <laughs> why the aliens went back. So I. We it might
1: be. Kershaw yes. And- yeah. I. I. I mean, sale because what sale is. Sale struck out Josh Donaldson the other day, looking on a on a slider, and Josh Donaldson looked back at him after he struck out. He, he caught him looking, and uh, he I think he struck him about three times in the game, and and he he caught him looking, and and Donaldson looked out at Chris Sale like, "What are you? How did you do that?"
0: Stop! Don't do that. Yeah, yes. like,
1: like yeah, and it was it was wonderful, and but I also but that so I I watched that and really enjoyed it, and then I watched Clayton Kershaw pitch. Um, and he's in the game. Uh, he struck out Eric Young Jr. on three pitches. If you, go, it's like in the fourth or fifth inning of a game. The last time Kershaw pitched, go try to find video of it if you can. It was a three pitch sequence. It was a fastball, a curveball, and a and a and a changeup or a slider. I can't remember which. And it was like it was this. It was so sad. I felt so bad for Eric Young Jr. He it, like he's he's one of the best baseball players in the world, and he's made it to the majors, and he's has a bright future. And it just felt unfair of him to have to face Clayton Kershaw in that moment. It was the craziest three pitch. I actually tweeted about it. I, I tweeted and said that was the craziest three pitch sequence I have ever seen in my life. And it's so fun to watch those guys. And you know, sale the sale has almost single handedly. Propped up the entire Red Sox team. I mean, he's whatever he is. He's eleven and two now, or something. And uh, he is that what he is? he's eleven and three. Two of his losses, he lost to the Phillies, one nothing. He threw eight innings, gave up four hits and one run, and struck out right. ten and lost. And then the other loss recently was a three-two loss to Oakland, where he pitched seven innings and gave up two runs uh, and struck out uh, ten. And that's it's like it's like when Pedro was pitching in 99 or 2000. It's like the only way he would lose is one to nothing. Or those, those Bob, that Bob Gibson year when he was lost 12 games and you know eight of them were one nothing games or whatever. It really does feel like you're, if you get, the way to beat him is one nothing or two to one, and that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I look, I, there are a couple of things. One, you talk about Kershaw. I think Kershaw and Mike Trout, it's the same thing. It's like, we don't want to just talk about just them you know but if you really are talking about the best of the best you just talk about them you know but we don't want right. that we want to be able to expand it and talk about Max Scherzer and and Bryce Harper and Chris Sale and all these others so it's it does feel in some ways like like we forget them i mean there's Clayton Kershaw has been doing what Chris Sale's doing now for like 7 years now right i mean he's just been you know he's just doing that said the second thing is i think sales Dominance feels different. There's a there. What Kershaw does is so it's like the closest thing you can get to like perfection, right? Because, because one thing that he does is he 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 tunnels everything so he throws every pitch out of the same exact spot and exact windup. And, and so you're like, you have no chance against him because you have no idea what's coming. And it's like he's like a wizard, you know? And Sale is not a wizard, Sale is just like. Yeah, if I could throw a pitch like that, I'd be really good too. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like it's the purity of his pitches. It's like that slider is so ridiculous. It's it's like the greatest slider I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. and, you know, it's it's crazy to say that. I mean, you talk about all the great sliders in in baseball history, but I that slider starts here and ends up like ten feet away and sometimes and then sometimes it doesn't. And it moves differently. It like has some sort of weird knuckleball quality where it seems to move differently on different batters. I mean, it's you know, it's it's like the Randy Johnson slider times two or something. I mean, it's it's. He's just also it,
1: part of it is also that he's he's like six six and it, he weighs less than I do. He right. I don't know if that means anything to anybody, but he's six. He's so skinny. He's like this. He's like a whip. The entire like his his physical body. His physical presence is that of a whip that's whipping a ball at you. So it's like it's coming from this crazy angle. He sort of throws three-quarter. His wind-up is herky-jerky and kind of like he's just like he just looks – he's just a guy who runs up to the mound. He looks scary. He whips his giant frame around. He whips his giant arm around, and the ball comes at an impossible angle and dives in this impossible way. It just – it it feels very unfair. It feels extremely awesome. unfair to hitters. Uh, and and he can also control it incredibly well. He can throw that slider that bends around the the outer uh, the outer edge of the plate. He can bury it down by your feet. He can, you know, he he. And then his fastball is like you know in the mid upper nineties. And so if you're if you start looking for the slider, then he just busts you high and high and tight with a fastball, and you're you're dead. So yeah, he he has a like a. He, I don't understand how he's hittable. I don't understand how anybody ever gets a hit off him.
0: Well, that's – and, and you're right. The same thing is true about Max Scherzer except for Max Scherzer will have, like, just weird, like, one-inning reprieves where he'll give hitters. Because he'll be – I mean, Max Scherzer seems to go into the eighth inning with perfect games like every other day, right? I mean, it's just like yeah. it's constantly well,
1: – did, did you see the stat where he's taken, like – Fifteen percent of his starts with the Nationals uh, have been no hitters through six or something. It's like it's or like twelve percent. It's like basically one out of every six or seven starts that he's had for the Nationals has he's had a no hitter through the sixth inning. I mean, it's, it's like eight. it's insane. It's yeah,
0: yeah. But then every so often he'll give up like back to back homers or something. It's like he he gets into weird funks or he, he has the kind of pitches where like. You either hit him for home runs or you don't hit him at all. I mean, it's weird. I mean, it's like it's a little bit weird. Sale feels more like unhittable to me. I mean, they're both unhittable, but again, it's just like there's something about Sale that's like scary. It's like kind of you know the 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 motion is sort of a little bit wild. So I would be scared to death to step in there against him anyway. And and uh, yeah, it's he's he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. All right. Matthew Goodman wants to know what's wrong with the Mets with three question marks. Uh, what's wrong with the Mets, um, Matthew? I mean, I think three Mets got hurt while I read that tweet. So that's right. That's what's wrong with the Mets, right? They just they're they're, they're they they can't stay healthy. Their their incredible rotation is like all in the hospital at this moment.
1: Yeah, that specifically, it, it, their pitchers are all hurt. That's right, I mean, it's right. it couldn't be it couldn't be uh more simply de- uh, described than that. It's every there every they have a ton of good pitchers and every single one of them is hurt. A- and Matt Harvey you would have had an asterisk is hurt slash a crazy headcase. And-, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd so, love
0: to be on the DL crazy headcase.
1: Here's here's the just right now here are the people on the DL for the Mets I just looked it up. Conforto's on the 10-day DL. is on the 60-day DL. Matt Harvey's on the 10-day DL. Tommy Malone's on the 60-day DL. Ligaris is on the 10-day DL. Smoker, Josh Smoker's on the 10-day DL. Cindergaard's on the 60-day DL. David Wright is on the 60-day DL. Neil Walker's on the 10-day DL. You're just never going to win. Yeah. yeah, you're never going to win when you have your closer, three of your starters, your uh, you know the best player in the last 30 years of your franchise. They're all out essentially for the year. I mean, the, who has who is, who is actually played this year for them besides Cespedes, who's any good? Who's like DeGrom. one of their star players? Yeah, Degrom. That's right. He's the last one, right? Yeah, yeah last, one still, the last one standing.
0: <laughs> no, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's uh, it, the injuries have just blown them out of the water. Matt Harvey, uh, you know, he he's he is a crazy head case. I I just I watch him pitch the 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 time before they put him on the DL. And by the way, putting him on the ten day DL is like, what's the point of that? I mean, he clearly. Yeah. He clearly is hurt, like pretty badly hurt. Uh, or his stuff is just gone. I mean, it could be one or the other. Uh, and, you know, I think back to that moment in Game 5 of the of the 2015 World Series, ninth inning, they they have the lead against the Royals. Uh, manager, you know, is ready to take him out of the game. He's like, you're not taking me out of the game. And the fans yeah. are all chanting his name. And he hadn't been the same since. I mean, it's yeah. just like that moment. Is you know, and you you couldn't blame him at that time. I blame the manager. I mean, once you've, once you've made the decision to pull him out of the game, you got to pull him out of the game. I mean, I don't think you can. Yeah. You can let him you know do that, but. I mean, so. it's it's
1: also like that might be. It's also probably. You know, it's not, I don't think that the that it the answer is that he was psychologically damaged or something. I mean, he this year in seventy innings he has fifty four strikeouts and thirty five walks, yeah, which is no, not very good. Brutal. And he and he's given up sixteen homers in seventy innings. I mean, you're talking that's a fifty homer year if yeah. you pitch pitch two hundred innings like that. You know, he's 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 got he's got an injury. And he has rabbit ears and is a head case. And until he can screw his head on tight, I don't think he's uh, ever going to be the Matt Harvey we used to know.
0: All right. Two more questions. One from Bill. Between 0 and 99, what is the uniform number of a baseball player that lets you know that he is a scrub? (laughs) what What is the ultimate scrub number? That's a good question. Good question
1: well I mean in spring training you're given numbers if you're if you're called up to the to, to the majors for spring training you're you're given a very high number usually right so you know there's there if you see a guy wearing like 75 or something you know that that guy's like sort of a long shot to make the team right. and right. then if they do make the team they usually, They'll move down to a lower number, but sometimes they keep them. Like, didn't Zito, Barry Zito kept the, his, he, he had a crazy high uniform number, I think. I could be wrong. I think that's right. Um, but Aaron Judge is 99. So it's not, there isn't one, there isn't one number, but I think anything in like the 60s, you know, the like 60s who's the are bad, who's the best baseball player who ever had a number in the 60s? Ooh. Like, oh, Puig. Puig is 66. So there's, there's someone. Uh, but I can't. There's it's very few. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, if you're if you're in the if you're in the '60s or the '70s, I think you're you're. I would say the the lowest number. What's the highest number where you where you're still a star? That's maybe a better question. Forty-eight. Like, yeah, I would have said forty-nine maybe. Yeah, wasn't forty-nine like,
0: even. You could be forty-nine. One yeah. of those
1: was What was Tom Seaver?
0: Tom he Seaver was. was uh, I should know this right off the top of my head, and I do not. See. 42? No, no, he wasn't 42.
1: He was 40... He was going look it up. He was 41. 41, 41 okay, 41, so he was 41. Right. Bob Gibson was 45. Right. So, yeah. And I, I feel like the, someone was... Oh, Tim Wakefield was 49. So, me <laughs> not a star, but like a legit Hall of Fame... Oh, a legit, sure. a legit uh, major leaguer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I they, and, been... and Wait, but the, I feel like there's... Um, I feel like there's uh, a, a, someone who's 50.
0: I don't know. Is that true?
1: We're, we're looking both looking at it. it up at the same time. Yeah, we're
0: looking <laughs> up like, oh yeah. So uh, uh yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh Oral Hershiser Wasn't
1: Hershiser number fifty? He or something imagine. like that? Yeah. yeah. I anyway. I would say if you're in the sixties, you're probably not great. Most most people. Except for Puig is sixty, so or sixty six oh, rather. Oh, so
0: I, the, I just found something that actually gives us some numbers. Uh fifty three uh, Don Don Drysdale was 53. That's pretty
1: good, all right? Uh,
0: and I did remember that 72 is Carlton Fisk. So you can right. there's there are ways to go up. I think in the 60s generally not great. Just yeah. I think 60s are just generally not really good. So,
1: all right. Also, I'm reading though. here also reading here that 49 is has been Charlie Huff, Tim Wakefield, and Tom Candiotti. So I guess oh, I'll so bet it's like
0: number. I love Yeah,
1: I love that. So I'll, I'll bet like Huff uh, picked it first, and then Candiotti picked it as a tribute to Huff and then Wakefield picked it as a tribute to both of them. That would be my guess.
0: I love it. Dave Mallow wants to know, how do I explain to my friends that hot fruit is garbage if I am not as articulate as Michael?
1: Wow, great question. Um, I would, not, uh, t- not a
0: great question, Dave. Great not. question.
1: It's a great question. I would say the the simplest way to do it, and uh, the areas in which I've had the most success making this point, uh, involve thought experiments. Where you just say, like, would you rather eat a like a hot? Imagine a hot plate of blueberries, and now imagine a, a regular cold plate of blueberries. What do, what would you rather eat? <laughs> And then pointing out that like that the, the people have had the wool pulled over their eyes by Big Pie, which big is pie. the name that I've given the pie industry in this country. And they've made you believe that fruit pies are delicious, and they're not actually delicious. They're sugary. They're full of sugar, and you're, they have flaky, buttery pastry. But it's just a sugar delivery system. It's not actually the pie you want to eat. You want to eat a pecan pie or maybe a pumpkin pie, Side note: Please don't tell me pumpkin is a fruit. Uh, and the, the the thought experiment of like, doesn't a delicious, crunchy, crispy, cold apple sound good? Yes, it does. It sounds better than a mealy, mushy, disgusting <laughs> hot apple baked into a pastry. I just it's a it's a sense thing. It's like if you actually think about it, if you actually picture in your head, if you visualize. The difference between eating that delicious, crispy, crunchy, cold apple, fresh apple, versus like a mealy, mushy, gross, cinnamon, gross, awful, heated apple, you'll see that you actually prefer the cold apple. So I would do thought experiments. That's what I would do.
0: I thought, thought I'm, I'm not even going to go with you there. Although I will point out that more than one person has written in uh, to say that, as the world's leading expert on peanut butter and jelly, you do know that. Uh, that they had to heat that fruit in order to make the jelly. Such you a, know that, right? It's
1: such a lame argument, though. It's such a <laughs> it's such a dumb argument. You're eating that fruit cold, like it's like. Well, what if you, you what want a cold pie? Then are you are you opposed to cold pie? No, it's better than hot pie, but it's still not good because it's loaded up with sugar. Je- like it preserves that you put on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You don't have to add extra sugar to if you don't want to. And I prefer the ones that are that aren't added sugar or like a very small amount of added sugar but when you're eating my point about pie is that you think the apples or the blueberries are what you like about the pie they're not you like the buttery pastry and you like the sugar, the massive amount of extra sugar and the and the and the fruit is just a filling it's not even you're not even enjoying the fruit you're just it's like a it's like a it's the it's like the oil in your car
0: <laughs> it's like the oil in your car i'm not even going to argue with you all right it's you actually in can-
1: it t- except it tastes worse than oil <laughs>
0: If pitch wants to know, I hope you guys talk about the NBA offseason. It's so ridiculous and entertaining. Are you entertained by all the movement here in the NBA offseason?
1: I actually am. I'm very entertained by it. Um, I will say that uh, it saddens me a little because there's now a major league basketball uh, league, which is the West, and there's a minor league basketball league which is the east and as a fan of a team that plays in the east i know we should be happy about that because the celtics path to the finals would be theoretically easier now that every literally lebron is the only what is it the only top 15 player in the nba by most amazing. metrics is now in in the east i mean it's really sad like millsap going to the nuggets it's like for god's sake can anyone stay can anyone stay in the east anybody, anybody. i mean anybody every single team and that's why like Paul George going west like i i was happy for the thunder i guess because you know they they had they've had a tough they've had a tough couple of years sure. but at the same time it's like you when the the talent drain is just it's just horrible like what is the what is the what is the all-star team going to be next year the western conference all-star team the, i'll bet this will be an interesting thing let's 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 revisit this in uh in 6 months or 8 months or whatever it is is what is what is a better team next year the eastern conference all-star team or a team you could make out of players in the west who are not all-stars because there are going to be three or four at least world-class players who simply can't make the western conference all-star team right you're going to have like an insane you're going to have like a like an incredible team made up of guys who couldn't even make the All-Star oh, no team. Question. No be- question. and no And I'll bet you anything it would be a competitive game. Because you'd have – in the East, obviously, you're going to have LeBron and you'll have whoever. You'll have Isaiah Thomas and you'll have whoever. But you're going to have a better – I'll bet you'll have a better all-around team made of guys like someone like Anthony Davis is like, oh, <laughs> going yeah. not make the All-Star team next year.
0: It's crazy. No, I totally agree. I think – the East would win against, like, the second-team all-star team, right? The second all-star team in the West. I think the East would win because of LeBron, but it would be like LeBron would have to play. He'd have to play
1: really hard, yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. he'd have to play 46 minutes in order for them to win because the rest of the team would be way better in the West. I kind of – I mean, I don't like that. I don't don't like that the East has just become – because it – it's been bad for a few years now. Uh, it's been, you know, I mean, it really is, is paved the way for LeBron's run. And I'm, you know, LeBron, we've, we've discussed this. We both think LeBron's the greatest player ever. Um, but it's still paved the way. He doesn't go to seven straight or eight straight or whatever it is if he's in the West, no matter how good no. his team is around him, you know? so So it really has paved the way a little bit for LeBron, and it's kind of sad that one player can basically be good enough to win a, a conference no matter how good that player is one player shouldn't be good enough to just win the conference yeah. the way that lebron has won the last few years so so that part is sad all right well i like this i like this little question thing where we take questions i do too. From, from, yeah that's fun that's fun all right it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing
1: it's one last meaningless thing talk about sports and we draft things we know like how beaches are terrible places to go no hot fruit for Michael or Diet Coke for Joe the podcast whoa it's one last whoa meaningless thing
0: and uh do you want to go first or do I go first? What are we
1: doing? Uh I oh, don't, I don't I'll go first. I my one first. last meaningless thing was I bought a new pair of shoes recently and I was uh lacing them up for the first time and I had the thought that the shoelace is an is an item that is essentially exactly as functional and good at its job now as it was 200 years ago or whenever it was invented. Like it's a, it's like a, it's a thing that like someone figured it out. It's, it was the right move (laughs) to invent the shoelace. And it's basically the same. It's no different now. It's exactly as effective now there's been no significant advancement in it, right? The, I mean,
0: Velcro, I'm sure.
1: Sh- well, but that's not a shoelace. I'm saying the it's actual shoelace. shoelace, like right. the, the concept of fastening shoes has had advances that are optional. But I don't even think. I mean, I think Velcro is. I don't, I prefer shoelaces. I mean, I Velcro agree. is good for kids, but the actual shoelace, the thing itself, you can't really improve upon, and you haven't improved upon, and it's basically exactly as good now as it was hundreds of years ago. That's kind of cool. I like, I like that.
0: I totally agree. Totally agree. I kind of have a similar one. We just ended up kind of having a similar one. Uh, my one last meaningless thing is uh, tape measures are pretty great still. They're still huh. pretty great. Now, there are new ways now you we, we can do with your phone where you can, like, press a button to know how far. But we went out to buy a couch uh, for my parents uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, we needed to – know how big is the couch or how, how wide is it, you know, and all that sort of thing. And we had a tape measure, just an old fashioned tape measure. That thing is brilliantly designed. It's brilliantly designed.
1: You just pull it out.
0: You have that little button, that little red button that holds it in place, measures exactly perfectly done. It's, and then it just zips right back in and, and, and is in your hand. And yeah, I think the tape measure is a fantastic invention. Uh, and I I prefer it to the whatever newfangled the little like
1: thing. laser laser yeah, thingy or whatever. Yeah. You I
0: mean, though, if, I mean, if I'm building a house, I'd probably want the la- I want like exact precise measurement. But for your every day, I just need to know how long that is or whatever. Tape measure is still awesome.
1: I like it. We did. We ended up in the same general area we of did. meaning of meaninglessness. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I really wanted to work on it because you remember the last couple of times you felt those things were a little too meaningful.
1: Yeah, that's right. We, we were edging. We're, we've been edging toward meaning, and I think it's a huge <laughs> mistake, and we need, to, we need to scramble back away from meaning into the dark, inky void of meaninglessness. Well,
0: because we're not good with meaningful. That's just not really no. our strong suit.
1: Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if we start swimming in that pool, I think we're dead.
0: We're dead. This, this podcast ends tomorrow if we're trying to be meaningful. So, <laughs> All right. Well, as always, Michael, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.